This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. Welcome to Turning a New Leaf, where we discuss the changing face of Canada as it prepares to legalize and regulate recreational marijuana across the country. Turning a New Leaf is produced by the Village Soundcast Network, and I'm your host, Sean King. Enjoy. So here we are, episode one of the podcast, and um, a lot of thought, you know, obviously going into who we decide to talk to and bring in as guests for the show. And what we're looking for is different perspectives, um, different uh, attitudes and points of view and different experiences related to what's about to happen in this country. Ideally, July 1st, 2018 remains to be seen, but everyone believes that's going to be the case. So our first guest is Donna Davies, and Donna is a a documentary filmmaker. She is the owner and I believe the founder of Ruby Tree Films. Uh, She's got many years of experience making films. They've appeared on all kinds of networks uh, across the country and some internationally. Donna was a great guest on this show. She had an incredible perspective, and she made a film recently as part of what attracted us to uh, to her and to making her a guest on the show. The film at the time was called Cannabis Crusaders, and it explores the process, the reasons for, and the expanding business uh, implications of legal marijuana in the country. Her focus is on Atlantic Canada and some of the major producers here in, in these provinces and uh, the experiences that they've gone through. She talks about the perspectives that she's uh, uh, experienced, those that are for and against the process and legalization, and some personal stories uh, that have affected her deeply uh, were revealed in the in the discussion, which was, uh, was quite fascinating. Uh, Donna was able to share with us that the title of the film had changed even since we had seen the movie, which at the time was called uh, Cannabis Crusaders. I had a chance to see the film, and I had some questions for Donna that she was more than happy to answer. It's a terrific interview. We hope you enjoy it. So, Donna, thanks for joining us. As as we've suggested to folks, you are a filmmaker at Ruby Tree Films. And just to provide a bit of context, what I what I managed to dig up on you <laughs> is you've written, directed, and produced dozens of award-winning documentaries. So you've, you've had them on CBC, Bravo, Global, the W Network Space, Vision, the list kind of goes on. Well, let's not skip the big ones, the Movie Network, Movie Central, uh, and the Independent Film Channel. So what we wanted to talk to you about today was um, the film that when I saw, when I saw it, it was called Cannabis Crusaders. And as you were just telling me before we started, the name of that film has changed. So you can talk a little bit about that. But I thought, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. And what I really wanted to do was just talk a little bit about this film, maybe describe it for those listening. And uh, we can start start with that. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, I I call the working title was Cannabis Crusaders, and uh, um, I after a title search, we decided to switch the name over to High Hopes, which I think it still really describes exactly what the film's about. What the film is about is it's about this new territory of. Uh, marijuana and legalization that's going to happen next year and it's about uh, a very small part of uh, the world it's mostly based in maritime canada and it's about a number of players that are affected by the changes in regulations and um, that sort of have their they're trying to carve out their niche in that new market Mm -hmm. that's about to happen Mm -hmm. so you've got entrepreneurs 
you've got activists, you've got uh, patients, and uh, and then uh, basically you've got the government, and uh, those are all the the stakeholders, all the ingredients. Yeah. So what even compels you to do a film like this in the first place? Well, I I tried for four years four years to get a broadcaster to let me do a film about uh, the cannabis. Cannabis oh, so you were business. early. You were in early. Yeah, well, um, about five years ago, a friend of mine uh, was in the terrible situation of having a, a family member with cancer. And um, at the time, my friend decided that she was going to take the... Uh, uh, at the time, it wasn't it wasn't as well known as it is now. But she was going to take the the route of going to the underground uh, economy and finding um, some cannabis oil because she had read that and she'd heard from other people that with stage three or stage four breast cancer that it was uh, it was it was alleviating a lot of the symptoms uh, that right. came along with chemotherapy and that sort of thing. So we uh, we went on this uh, exploration together. Um, and uh, saw the product help um, not only this person's family member, but a, a variety of people in that in that community that uh, I ended up meeting over the course of about two years where I went underground and I made oil and I did all oh, kinds wow. of illegal things. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so because I love learning things and I'm a documentary filmmaker, I thought, wow, this is this is fantastic. Uh, I should be telling people about this. Uh, you know, uh, I should be getting the word out that this is a really, really fabulous alternative to some some of the forms of therapy that are out there for people that are really sick. And um, nobody was interested. I tried. All, I I'm very good at pitching. That's my forte. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I sell films and I sell film ideas in Canada and the U.S. And um, nobody, the Americans didn't want to touch it, too contentious. Uh, no Canadian broadcaster would touch it. I tried them all at the time. Yeah. Uh, eventually, CBC got tired of me chasing them around, and they said, listen, Donna, we'll let you do a film. I even brought some oil in, you know, and different things to, really? for them to test, and they were like, no. Yeah. Um, but eventually they said, look... Um, I I had already looked at the business side of this because I knew at the time um, a couple of people I knew were applying to get um, licenses to be licensed to become uh, producers of medical marijuana, and I started to follow their stories. And uh, eventually, I talked the CBC into letting me do a film about the business side. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you were too you were ahead of the time. Yeah, yeah, you were too soon. I was a little bit too soon, but what it's allowed me to do is now it's my fifth year in this what they call it, the marijuana space. Um, This is new. I have not heard that term. That's what they call it. The marijuana space, it's a place where you understand um, the business side, the political side, and all of the elements that are coming together to make this new, very exciting industry, which is one of the fastest growing industries in North America. And some people say, not since the repeal of the prohibition has there been so much interest in, uh, you know. Yeah, no, I think it's true. I mean, there's been a lot of conversation around that. It is it is uh, amazing to be a part of a new industry, essentially. But I, I do think that maybe you were ahead of your time. And it's funny, watching the film that, I, th- that you shared with me, here I was thinking that this was your first, uh, you know, sort of foray into this area. And it turns out you've been, you know, going back much further. Did you try to document that at the time when you were helping your friend? Did you... Yeah, we, we shot a few little videos uh, at the time of uh, the the you know that whole that whole medical side. The, you know, it's really funny because 
that whole, you know, medical side of marijuana, that's been really up until July next year. That's kind of the only place people could dabble. Right. And, uh, but then, in addition to that, there was a whole underground side where, there, where people were making much more... Um, concentrated versions of a of an oil out of cannabis that w- was you know useful in various illnesses and um, it, it, at the time it was it was it was very difficult to convince anyone to talk about the medical side unless it was just to say in very general terms it helps it's been shown to help with arthritis it's been right. shown to help with this but they were very careful in how they worded it because there was not that many um, trials done in um, humans since the product was obviously declared illegal for what 75 years so yeah yeah I mean I can I can understand the need to be careful you know about the way people would make those claims um, so you, you you did this film and you talked to a lot of people I talked to yeah. a lot of people I documented I've got um, uh, I would say, I don't know, dozens and dozens of hours of uh, footage that I, I wasn't able to use because this was one of my shortest films. I usually do feature documentaries. Okay. This film is only 43 minutes, yeah. which is a TV hour, and uh, they didn't want, the CBC really didn't want to deal with the contentious side too much. I sort of mm-hmm. buried a little contentious stuff in there, a little medical mm-hmm. stuff, you know, and uh, I put in some some points that I wanted, but I really had to focus for the most part on how... This is a new product in the Maritimes and how, um, you know, just an average Maritimer would look at this as even if they didn't feel, you know, compelled to want to explore all of the tribulation, trials and tribulations of, of the product, they could at least agree that there's jobs being created here. This is a new industry. Yeah, it's a business. Yeah. Business. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the things that I found interesting about the movie, um, the various types of people that you spoke to. And their point of view on things. Um, what was your? I guess the, one of the things that I found neat was you know there is this stigma attached to it, and I think that's been highlighted by your your attempts at this maybe years ago. What was your experience with that? The stigma or people's point of views on this or accepting this idea that it's happening related to the folks that you spoke to in the film. Well. The there was very, you know, it's kind of funny. There's a couple of people I interviewed for the film that I didn't end up uh, using the interviews, uh, and it was because they were so paranoid. Even though they were, you know, there is. I think one of the one of the people in the film explains this. You know, um, he was at the point where he actually already had his multi-million dollar facility built. He was licensed by the federal government to go ahead and grow product, but yet he couldn't get a bank in his community to deal with him. He couldn't get various government departments to even let him apply for anything because they didn't even want to use the word marijuana. And I interviewed some people for this film that I felt should have been a lot further ahead in letting go of the stigma because they were working in the field Mm -hmm. somehow. They were testing product or they were doing whatever, but they were so... Um, I felt, you know, paranoid that I decided that that I didn't even want to deal with people like that. They're so far behind the times. Oh, so really? I, I didn't even put them in the film. I right. thought, it, what a waste of my time to talk to a doctor that doesn't get this or yeah. to talk to a scientist that's going, well, you know, I'm not sure, you yeah. know, when the, when the when the statistics are there. So in the in the 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 groups of people that I went to, the activists, the, the patients, I certainly saw some change of um, perspective in patients that previously had um, been 
you know, told by their spouses, if you use marijuana, I'm leaving you or stuff like that. Right, and, right. But then when they saw the when the when the spouse or the family member saw the change in them, if they if they did have PTSD or whatever, um, then they usually uh, came on board and there was a, a change of perspective. But mm-hmm. for the most part, um, people were very on camera if they were government officials or if they were, you know, like Dalhousie professors, <laughs> yeah. they they would be less jubilant than when I turned the camera off. Like, really? in other words, they'd be like... Or cautious. Cautious, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, It sounds like it frustrated you a little bit when you encountered those folks that were a bit close-minded to the idea. Yeah, it did. But I think that, um, I think that that's understandable given the fact that um, so many um, interest groups uh, have spent a lot of time over the last, you know, 50, 75 years in demonizing the product and uh you know i've had arguments with friends discussions <laughs> with friends that are like oh gateway drug you know yeah i'm interested <laughs> in this yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so it's really hard to um change people's minds and i think that um uh in this particular film i'm, I'm already working on a couple of other films about medical marijuana uh and on uh, recreational marijuana and uh i i think that as time goes on, it'll be a little bit different. It'll be, you know, it'll be, there'll be more studies done already. You know, the, one of the biggest areas of interest that I have is the the use of, uh, the use of marijuana to get people off of uh, opiates and other mm-hmm. more harmful mm-hmm. drugs. And that's a, cu- a couple of the people in my film speak to that issue, including... You know the mayor of a one of the towns in Nova Scotia, yeah. Stellarton. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but um, right now, there, there's finally the first ever uh, study being done in North America. Very small amount of money. I think it's like three hundred ten thousand dollars. A government grant's been given, or might even be some private money and some government money right. to explore the biggest ever study of people um, using cannabinoids to get off of, uh, opiates and, uh, and also methadone. And I think that when people start to see those, those were never been able to be done because of this crap about, you know, the, the Stigma. restrictions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when, when they start getting these studies out there that have been done in Israel and other places and they start having them at, uh, Canadian universities and they're able to publish them, not just in animals, but in, in humans. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, they're going to start fast tracking all that, yeah, uh, that medical stuff. Yeah, I think people will just sort of be more open and receptive to um, looking at the at the whole plant for mm-hmm. a variety of reasons. Yeah, you you mentioned the um, this idea of someone getting off using using medicinal marijuana to get off perhaps a different type of drug there was a there was a quote in that movie and I, I don't know who it was that said it um but it really made me made me sort of stand up and take note and he said that he was sick of the medicine that he was taking making him sick yeah and that's because um there's a variety of medications that um you know the average uh, when you when you talk to people especially people um, in various econo- socioeconomic uh, backgrounds and, and age groups and stuff, there's a variety of medications that people are on, and the ma- the majority of medications are not um, without side effects. And I think that when people, um, especially, are on the heavier, um, the the heavier medicines, um, the amount of uh, 
stress in their lives to overcome this the side effect becomes sometimes worse than the original right. original problem that they had. And right. what they found is that with uh, you know medical marijuana and marijuana in general is not a panacea for everything. It's you know there's certain people that have conditions where uh, I've discovered after doing a lot of interviews. Um, if if a person has high hang, high anxiety or certain types of anxiety or certain problems, um, if they're not uh, dosed right with the right, you know, plant strain, yeah, <laughs> they are going to experience even more, um, you know, more problems. And there's there's a few other conditions, and you know, there's allergies, there's sure. there's there's all kinds of things. However. Um, it's been, you know, there's there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of studies um, in other countries um, and in European countries and, and a lot in um, Israel um, that uh, have shown that this, you know, the side effects are very very few and uh, not long lasting for uh, for marijuana. Uh, so I think that um, people are looking very seriously. At, Seriously, at this right now, when we have a epidemic of uh, uh, opiate addiction in mm-hmm. you know uh, in North America, um, it's it's really for me. I think um, I've had a family member die in the last year from opiates, and um, and so it's very important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very serious about uh, I'm very serious about. The research that's being done and trying to do something more um, specific to that in my next project. Mm. Yeah, you know what? I'm so, first of all, sorry to hear about your loss, but I was just about to say to you that you seem to take this very seriously. I'm yeah. getting a lot of passion from you in this discussion, <laughs> which is, is yeah. amazing to see, but you yeah. also seem very educated in it. Yes, well, I'm, I'm educated in it um, because as a documentary filmmaker, when I go out to do a film, I have to speak to the smartest people on any film I yeah. do. And so it's almost like doing a degree in every film subject. Mm-hmm. It's kind of exhausting, but I do read a lot and I, I spend a lot of time, like I just spent Sunday, all day Sunday, um, with uh, someone in the in the marijuana community who um, uh, graces, graciously took me on a trip to see the most recent um, uh, licensed producer's new lot. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so I'm, I'm constantly, and if someone has uh, someone they want me to meet, I like to look at all aspects of a subject. And so I, my list of uh, uh, activities while I'm doing the film is usually completely absorbed in that community. Right. So, so you you've had some access to some interesting places. Yes. Uh, and how and how long you had to fight too. to get that? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> scary. I'm making a note about the scary ones. Um, but one of the one of the things I was curious about was, um, I mean, I don't know if you'd been in them before, but certainly going in them for the first time. What was your biggest takeaway? What was the? Did anything surprise you about being inside those buildings? Um, I guess I was surprised at how happy everybody was. <laughs> <laughs> and why would that surprise? Well, you? they just—I was just surprised at, because I, you know, I—I've I, done a lot of films about a lot of different stuff. I've been in, you know, when you look at a factory, it's really a marijuana factory. Right. I worked in the the beer industry, and I, you know, 
was with Moosehead for quite a few years in the marketing department, and I saw beer being made as a product. And mm -hmm. then I've, I've done films about the horror industry where I've seen special effects being done as a product oh, you wow. know, by artists. Yeah, yeah. And so they're all, it's all like a factory. Like assembly line yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I guess I can say that um, whereas other companies that are making widgets or beer or whatever, you know, the people get good pay. It becomes monotonous. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really felt at both, uh, at all the facilities that I was in, that people really were loving their job. Because yeah. I think one of the things about that is, you know, you're dealing with a plant. Sure. And a it's plant. Living. Yeah, it's a yeah. living thing. And it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to see the plant grow and to smell really good and to, you know, to yeah. do really well. And I think that <clears throat> um, all the people that work there at those facilities are thinking that they're doing they're doing something cool. It's interesting. Their friends like it. And it's helping people if it's being yeah. sold as medicine. It's a bigger picture. Yeah. I wonder, too, about uh, how many of those people, excuse me, you know, get a job at a facility like that. And I don't know how long the novelty of that would last. You know, hey, wow, look, I'm working in a marijuana plant mm -hmm. or uh, facility. Um, I wonder how many of those people, and maybe you had some experience in talking to some of them about, realizing what they're taking part in. I mean, again, when I sit back and I think about what's what's about to happen, you know, next year, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. You know? The world's not going to be the same it's again. It's not going to be the same. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah. and I mean, even, even us here now talking about mm -hmm. this, I mean, that's kind of blowing my mind a little bit. So I have to wonder what these people would think, uh, how they feel about working one of these. This is their job every day. Well, you know, I think that they. I've talked a lot to them about that. Mm -hmm. Everyone from the people that take the phone calls that are, sure. you know, helping people find out what what strains they want, or you know, give give people their they're helping people um, figure out how to navigate this new world. And here you've got a lot of the people that are. A pres being prescribed medical marijuana now are people over 50 that have, um, you know, age-related health conditions. And some of these people have not smoked marijuana before. They've not right. used it. <clears throat> and so you've got these young guys on the phone explaining, guys and gals explaining how to even, you know, uh, you know, take Ingest the product. It, yeah, yeah, they have no idea. Right. Some people don't know anything about it. And so it's kind of fun to see that. But no, I, I saw people that even worked in boxing, you know, in the, in the packaging and... Um, I've, I've talked to the people that work there, the, especially in the Maritimes. The, these are towns where there's, you know, the, these are the, you know, Moncton and um, places like Stellarton that might want to want to have this facility, Charlottetown. These are good paying jobs and a clean business. This is not a, a coal strip mine. Right, this right. Is, this, is a, this is a product that's going to do some good, they mm -hmm. feel. Um, the um, the atmosphere in the company is good. It, it's exciting to be, even if you're at a lower level scale in a new industry that's going to sweep the world. Yeah, those are some pretty exciting, you know, mm -hmm. things to talk about at the grocery store when you run into your friend. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, which is always where some of the most interesting conversations <laughs> about this stuff happen. Yeah. So tell me about some of the scary ones. You sort of. Well, I'm just saying that, um, you know, um, if you're going to meet th this 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 space the marijuana space is you know because it's been forced to go underground for you know 75 years there's all kinds of players in the field um that have had to dodge the police <laughs> right yeah <laughs> and, and like hide out in you know you know s certain warehouses in certain you know parts of the country and yeah. and, uh, and some some characters that are um 
you know, gruff and, and kind of scary and sure, all that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but in general, um, I've, I've found that uh, everyone's been... People want to talk to me. A lot of people don't want to be on camera. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've done films yeah. about moonshine and they didn't want to be on camera either. Yeah. So it's illegal. So the stigma is still attached, still exists. Well, you know, it's in yeah. for some people, it's bigger than ever because you know what's going to happen now. All those people that have been for 75 years in the corners making their own products sure, and yeah. getting them out there and stuff, you know, eh, the odd one, well, you know, quite a few probably get caught and thrown in jail once in a while, but there's people that have stayed on the periphery. And the government's not done too much about it, especially in the last few years with mm -hmm. legalization on the horizon. But the minute, the minute it turns into tax dollar losses for the government, there's going to be a lot of people that are back on yeah. the now it's a no different show crime. your head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, look at how uh, the government's gone off of after people who... Um, you know, dealing illegal tobacco. Yeah. When, you know, all of a sudden, moonshine and all those other things that, that the government used to chase, I asked the police, the RCMP, why they were letting people get away with the moonshine stuff. And they go, we don't have time for moonshine. We're chasing cigarettes. Right. You know, it's Isn't like... That something? Yeah, so it's yeah. wherever the money is. Right. Right? There's right. no money lost in, in moonshine. It's yeah. not, you know, it's... Wow, it's uh, mm -hmm. that's an interesting... You know, I never considered that. I never it's considered gonna be a big, the... The tax dollar yeah. benefit to this is is going to be tremendous, and so yeah. therefore, right now, it's estimated that um, you know, someone in my film says eighty percent of the market in Canada right now that exists exists outside of the licensed producers, and now right. there's sixty of them. <clears throat> I think it's probably closer to ninety percent. Yeah. And what's what's going to happen is they're going to try over the next year to take that eighty percent and lasso it into tax dollars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they're going to be. I, we think the people in you know the people in the trenches and the people yeah. that know think they're going to be coming down pretty hard on people that aren't um, abiding by the mm -hmm. new regime. It's crazy to think that the the law breaking part of this equation won't be the marijuana; it'll be the tax evasion. It'll be <laughs> you know, like, that's kind of crazy. That's, that's what happened with bootleggers, though. Yeah, right. 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 They, they didn't care. They were really worried about the tax dollars lost in bootlegging. Wow. Not yeah. not the scary alcohol that might be consumed that might mm -hmm. not be you know up to yeah. snuff or whatever. No, it's it's really interesting. It's it's there's a lot of people that are very angry about what's going on, and there's a lot of people. I, I take the film around, and I've spoken at like the Sobe School of Business. Yeah. And sp spoken in uh, at a couple of different conferences and stuff. And there's always pe radical people in the audience, upset, rightfully so, at all these licensed producers making. You know, they have millions of dollars, and they're making all this money now. What about mm. all these people that have been out there showing them? What about the plants that they're getting? They're from strains that these people have developed and faced jail time for, and now. These guys are locked out of the system if they've got any kind of a record. Yeah. And the guys that are the lawyers and the bankers and the yeah. people that can raise the money are in. So there's that whole thing that's happening. Right. Yeah, that's um, a tough one. It's a tough one. It's not 100% yeah. true. I mean, I you know I had some shout-downs in PEI recently um, after a screening where some of the people in the audience were activists were saying, those licensed producers, like the guy in the room here that's got a $23 million expansion, they should be forced to give free medicine to people that can't afford you know, there's all these kind of yeah well some there definitely has to be a way that we can 
make sure that those people that were getting their medicine for free or for very little from friends of theirs or from, mm-hmm. that, that if that's going to be shut down and they have to buy through a licensed producer and mm-hmm. they can't afford it because the price keeps going up, right. that there's got to be some sort of a system that allows those people to get their medicine because they don't just need four plants. Right. If you're really, really sick, you need, you know, 30 grams over 90 days. You, you need a yeah, lot of, yeah. you need a lot yeah. of plant. And I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not up to, up to par in terms of all the education and all the rules around what's going on, but I, it's funny, I was about to say, well, they can grow their own as far as I understand, but there is a limit on that. Four. And then I think that the, um, I think that just because it goes wreck, and I, and again, I could be wrong here, but my understanding, at least today, is that th- that doesn't mean that people with medicinal prescriptions won't still be able to access their medicinal prescriptions. And when I, I don't know the ins and outs of how that affects their, or the price they're paying for those, or, mm-hmm. or what the rules are around mm-hmm. that, but I mean, it's going to be interesting territory when all of that sort of comes to fruition. And I don't, you know, it, it's funny, I feel like anything new, you know, people get their shit in the nod and, and you know, some people are excited, some people are uptight. Yeah, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago I'd heard that um I think it was Organigram in Moncton held a job fair, you know, and they had they were looking to fill 600 jobs, I think it was. And and I don't know, 1200 the numbers might be wrong, but masses of people showed up. And part of me thinks like it or lump it. I mean, this industry could have been making coffee cups. You know, if the coffee cup company came to your town and all of a sudden had a job fair to hire 600 people, that's stimulating an economy. And so the side of this that is the business side, forget the product, if you will, is just as fascinating to me as what the product is. It's huge. And I've been watching, I've been watching some of the outliers as they go forward. Like, you know, Organigram's a bit of a different story. It wasn't very hard for them to raise their money. Right. They, you know, they they had deep pockets and, you know, and New Brunswick's a fantastic place to start a... Um, marijuana grow up because the the uh, the cost of electricity is incredibly low, right? And there's all kinds of benefits that way. Um, but there are some very small licensed producers in Nova Scotia, a few that uh, like the the THC, the Truro Herbal Company, yeah. Robinsons now the new one in uh, Kentville. They didn't start with huge deep pockets, mm-hmm. and they had to come up with their million and a half or whatever they used to get going and. Uh, um, it's it's kind of interesting to see that each one of those individuals, when they get those companies going in those towns, they might start off with 30, 40, 50 people, but the plan is that they can barely, they, they won't be able to keep up with the demand. This, mm. this country is going to be in big shock come July 1st because yeah. we, we can only produce 10% right now legally. So Yeah, it's crazy. I, I mean, you know, we're hearing about this now and the, and the government trying to fast track the uh, licensed producer licenses for that exact reason. And, and, you know, I was sitting back when I think the first time I heard that, I sort of chuckled to myself and I thought, it's interesting if you think about it, I don't know how they would have estimated how many we should have like, hey, you sit back and you go, the population of Canada is this, and this is how many people we think will use. So let's say we need this many. And then they find out, no, they need like five times that many. <laughs> so is it like Canada's best kept secret? That, that like this, all these people that are using? Well, someone should have told the people that were running the program through Health Canada, because what happened was many of these applications sat on the desk for three years. Mm. Many of them didn't get looked at for a whole, you know, for six months at a time. Yeah, yeah. And there were so many stipulations and loopholes for people that they, they read tape that they had to go through. Um, those licensed producers that made it to this point that went through every 
every single visitation. Steps, and yeah. They're going to be really upset when the government just starts rubber stamping one yeah, after go, another. Go, go, Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and I got to wonder what who they, whoever they are, you know, sitting back going, wow, we, we've underestimated this, you know, um, and the eyes just kind of widening as they think about the potential. I mean, it's kind of mind-boggling. One thought I had when you made the film, I mean, it was a regional film, and there's there's various reasons why I certainly appreciate that. Um, is there a reason you didn't go beyond Atlantic Canada? I mean, this story is just cash. Yeah, of money, course. money, 100%. Yeah. This is the lowest budget film I've ever done in my entire mm. years of making films because nobody wanted to give me the money to do the story. Now, I've got the context, the footage. I had already worked it out. As every film I do, I work it out so that it's international and you know yeah right and so the interest i've i've get i'm getting interest from all over the world in people that want to get a copy because no one's covered the business side to the, right. the way that i i've done it and people want to see inside some of those licensed facilities and all yeah. that sort of thing sometimes it was the first time anyone has um it was simply dollars um i'm talking to netflix now about trying to you know, see if they'll come on board on a bigger international film in the subject matter, taking into account Rick Simpson, one of the guys that's a Nova Scotian that's living in Croatia now that's been involved in the medical side. Um, but it's once again, it's still early days in this and Americans aren't as interested and the the Canadians uh I'm I'm talking to Discovery Channel now about a possible series based on a bunch of the people I met, and so if I can, if I can keep my um, if I can keep my ducks in a row, and I can I can make sure that the that I I have such good relationships with people now that if I can keep them on track, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the timing is just so key, right? I mean, you you know you hear stories about things like this, a business idea that was ahead of its time and then just sort of died in the vine, and. I mean, I think at least from you know what I'm hearing you say is 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 you might have gotten in at the right time, and I think that it's ripe. I mean, I, I'm actually interested in what a film looks like a year from now. Seriously. You know, after it's gone wreck, yeah. what's happened to our society? You know, <laughs> and I, you know, it's th- that's a fascinating topic. I um, just wondering personally from you. So again, I mean, you you've talked a little bit about this with with some of the personal relationships and people that have been affected. Uh, by this topic and how do you feel personally about the idea of legalization and regulation? Um, well, I feel that uh, I, I'm excited about it. I think that I've already got my dog on oil right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and my, I've, my I've, friend's cat. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I just want, I want it to be fair. I'm a huge believer in fairness. And I feel that right now, I don't want to see people that have spent their lives fighting for this and believing in it and, and um, you know, perfecting the, you know, the product and and really doing it because they, they care about people. I mean, I, I really, I haven't met any people that have become millionaires from this. Right. You know, except for the licensed producers. Right. <clears throat> and so I don't want to see them shut out. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of talk now about what's going to happen. Maybe some of the um, the dispensary people are going to sort of get together and try to figure out how to fight against what's going to happen. Mm. And maybe there's a place for everybody. But I really do hope that um, the, the the powers that be will take into consideration the amount of um, 
uh, energy and love and care and uh, you know passion that's gone into creating the the real industry because mm-hmm. if there wasn't any healing product and power in the plant if it wasn't if it wasn't for these people pushing that all these years it would have just been a, a you know it, it yeah. wouldn't have been so valuable to the people that are making a fortune off it today right do you think that um, I mean I mean I know that I'm trying to figure out how to word this. So you have the licensed producers who are, of course, regulated. So there's all these standards that the licensed producers have to abide by. When you get into the dispensary level, that does not yet exist. And so if I'm the Health Canada, um, for that matter, and and these people that have these dispensaries, wouldn't part of the problem be how do they regulate the product that those people are yeah. providing? The the problem yeah. is right now the dispensaries are the reason the dispensaries are there is because the licensed producers cannot supply the demand that's needed and there's more demand right, than right, supply. Right. Right. So those those than legal supply. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so right. so those li- those those dispensaries are dealing with all kinds of people that they've got relationships with mm. across the country. They can mail things in. They can get it from the guy down the street. They know what they're getting. Yeah. They've been getting it for years and that sort of thing. They get feedback. But the problem is right now, they can't, if, even if they wanted to, it's very difficult for those yeah. dispensaries to get their products tested. So it's going to have to be in and the end. Is it difficult because it's expensive? or is Well, I sent a little vial the other day to get some, some testing done on it. It's, it's $800 for that amount. And, so every, right. and that's just a, you know, you'd have sure. to be testing uh, yeah. all the time. And the other thing is most of the labs that are testing for the LPs are not allowed to touch illegal products, so they right. can't touch it. Right. And so there's, you know, so there's all it's messy. this. Yeah. So they're going to have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I, there's some very smart people in Nova Scotia. I would say that there's a there's a fellow that runs a dispensary on Goddagen Street um, called Pharmacist. His name's Chris Enns. He and his wife Sherry. They are, you know, super brilliant in in the understanding the legal sides of this whole thing and all the parameters that are involved. So. I think that I've seen them at a couple of um, uh, discussions at Dow and uh, yeah. trying to get their the word out there. They should be consulting with some of these people that really know what's going on. Yeah. Because really, if you don't look at that side, you're just going to have a gi- the right now. There's a gray market. Mm-hmm. It's kind of replaced the black market. You're just going to have a ginormous black market if sure. this isn't figured out properly. Yeah, and, and and for whatever reason, I'd have to think that. I mean, I, I take your point about them trying to get together to sort of fight what's going on, but I th- I would have to believe. That eventually, I don't know where I get this from, it's just in my own head, I guess, that the rules have to be tight, you know, initially, to get this sort of um, out to the world, if you will. And and, and then I, after uh, some time has passed and society has evolved to uh, to uh, accept it, that maybe the lo- the rules will change and loosen up and the dispensaries can become part of that uh, network, I would think. Uh, but I mean, I really don't know, and I don't know who does. You know, I think that's probably there's a lot wrong. of people making. It's a big guessing game mm. right now. If anyone really knew, then um, a lot of people wouldn't be on eggshells. But yeah. for sure, um, you know, there's there's uh, there's going to be a bigger uh, demand than there is supply. That yeah. product's going to have to come from somewhere. The government's going to have to move awfully quickly. Yeah. And right now, people don't want to just order it mail order. They want to go and be able to talk to someone that understands it. Sure. You're not going to get that at a liquor store. Right. <laughs> Right. Who's going to train those people at the liquor store that, yeah. you know, I mean, I went the other day and I asked someone at a liquor store if the if this Spanish wine was good. And they said, look at those points down there. Four points means draw. They didn't know anything about, right. you know, they, right. it, it was a liquor store employee that makes really, yeah. you know, so what are they going to know about 
string. And yeah. I think the people that really want to have access to stuff that they really want, there's a variety of products they're not going to be able to get in the liquor stores or at the LPs, and people are still going to be looking at those those products, and those products are going to come from somewhere. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree that things should be tested, and I personally wouldn't want for myself if I was a patient recreationally, you know, maybe people can try whatever and yeah, you know, sure. suffer the repercussions <clears throat> of a bad, yeah. you know. But but for me- medic- patients with medical disorders or conditions, there's no way you want to be smoking anything or ingesting anything that's been treated with something that's not approved. Right. Um, because it's just not going to make you feel uh, any any better and, in, in fact, could uh, have it's dangerous. dangerous repercussions. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, I certainly appreciate uh, your knowledge of the subject. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised with all the the, the, the people you've talked to in the years you've been thinking about it. So um, thank you for bringing that to the table. What's next? Have you got another? I'm starting a film um, next week, the week after, on epigenetics, a new form of genetics. Wow. And You're not uh, messing around. <laughs> <laughs> Taking well, on this crazy, hard, heavy stuff. Yeah, well, you know... Uh, <laughs> I, I like, uh, you know, any any new subject that's out there health-related, I'm really interested in. But mm-hmm. uh, um, epigenetics, is it plays right along with, with this whole idea of uh, health-related that I'm, this kick that I'm on right now. Yeah, wow. <laughs> well, look, I appreciate it. I, I thought the film was great. I Thank actually you. learned uh, a, a lot from it and even more just from talking to you. So I appreciate you coming by and perhaps we can chat a year from now, you know. Sounds after, good. After things have become legal and we figured out what we're doing with all that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thanks again, Donna. The best of luck to you. Thank you. So that was Donna Davies from Ruby Tree Films. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation and learned a few things in the process. I uh, I really enjoyed that chat with Donna. She was quite uh, willing to open up and and share some of her experiences with us. And, you know, you learn pretty quickly how this is affecting people and uh, the impact that it may have. Stay tuned for our next episode, where our guest will be Ray Gracewood. Ray is the Chief Commercial Officer of Organigram, Inc. out of Moncton, New Brunswick. Organigram, if you don't already know, is one of the largest licensed producers of marijuana in the country. And Ray's got uh, an interesting perspective, as you might, uh, you might expect. So this is Turning a New Leaf, produced by the Village Soundcast Network. I'm your host, Sean King. Uh, stay tuned for the next one. Thanks. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. 